I'm excited about our message today. I, uh, I've really been thinking quite a bit about what I'm going to be talking about. This is something that has just kind of continued to come into my purview, whether it is um, the books that I'm reading or the podcasts that I've been listening to. It seems like everything is kind of driving me in this particular direction. And it is a little bit of a different message than um, than I typically like to bring forward, especially coming out of our first John series, where we spent 10 weeks just really digging into the Bible and really understanding uh, what the Word of God has to say. But today is going to be a little bit more conceptual in nature. And um, the reason that is, is because I really just want to challenge you guys a little bit with this message today. Um, I, I want to just maybe push you a little bit to begin to, to think a little bit differently um, about the world around you and about who God has truly called you to be, okay? Um, it's a bit of a pastoral challenge in that way. And so I'm gonna take a different approach. And in fact, I'm kind of gonna be asking more questions than I am providing answers. And initially that concerned me in my preparation, um, but, but I began to realize that that's okay. Like I don't always have to just kind of spoon feed information, but sometimes I do need to get up here and just kind of challenge you guys and, and, and push you guys to think a little bit differently and maybe um, have a, a different pursuit than what you're currently um, looking forward to. And so that's, that's what we're gonna be stepping into today. So the title of my message is simply this, Culture versus Christ. Okay, this is what I want to talk about, culture versus Christ. And so what I mean by that is we have this pathway of culture that is laid before us, and we also have this pathway of Christ. We, we have kind of these options set before us and how we're going to move forward. And I think it's very, very important that we understand both of these pathways and that we figure out where exactly we line up in this equation. And so when we talk about the idea of culture, um, I think the way that I kind of best understand this from a high level is to think about just this, this really strong current or stream of what society says is good and right or what it deems normal and acceptable. Okay, that, that's what our culture is. It kind of sets these things before us and how we are to think and how we are to, to move forward. And it's a very, very powerful thing. In fact, um, even really without realizing it or without thinking about it at all, we will find ourselves just going down this stream. And what we learn is more often than not, culture is actually the thing that's going to tell us what our priorities are. It's going to show us um, what opinions we should have, what we should believe, and it's eventually going to lead us to certain actions and lifestyles. Culture is truly that powerful. And the tricky part is many times that powerful current of culture does not line up with the character or the teachings of Christ. Many times this is what we see. There's, there's kind of this friction. There's this tension in play between the two of these things. And that is not a new struggle. 
That's, that's not a new problem by any means because at every point in history, um, there has been a prevailing culture that governs the day that says, this is what's right. This is how we are to think. This is how we are to act. And what's interesting as you do historical studies is you will realize that culture is something that drastically changes over the course of time. Our culture today is vastly different than it was 100 years ago, right? In fact, our culture is drastically different than it was 50 years ago. This is kind of constantly changing and evolving. And in fact, this is one of the profound things we see as we read through the New Testament because there's a very clear first century culture that is at play. As we read these words, there's a clear culture that we get a bit of a picture of. There's an outward culture that's all about the Roman Empire that says nation and country is the priority. This is what matters most. This is where our focus should be. Then there's this inward culture of the Jewish religion that says the law is the priority, right? We have this system and, and this structure, and this is what matters most. And in the middle of all of this, Jesus steps onto the scene and is radically counter-cultural. That's exactly what we see from him. He, he prioritizes people over religion, which upsets the Pharisees and the scribes. Um, he prioritizes God over nation and citizenship, upsetting the Roman cohort and the citizens of the day. And in fact, this is so true. I mean, he was so countercultural that they killed him for it. If you go back and and read the gospels, the very reason that they're coming after Jesus is because he's going against everything that has become normal to them. And it doesn't stop there. We, we see this carried over to the apostles. As we read through the book of Acts, this tension is still in play. We read about it from the early church leaders in the second and third century as they endure persecution. This tension is still in play. And it got me thinking as I was digging into this, in what ways that we don't even realize, that, that we're not even thinking about, are we aligning ourselves with culture over and above Christ? In what ways are we just kind of going with the the flow of what culture says is good and right versus what Christ clearly says is good and right? How is this playing itself out in our lives? And before we unpack that, what that really looks like and what that means for us, I think it's important that we approach this with the right perspective. And so one of the things that I wanna call out is despite what my title is, I don't want us to look at this as like a a battle that's taking place. In other words, I don't think that we're called so much to battle culture as much as we are called to transform it as people of God. In fact, this is how John Piper puts it. He says, Christianity does not destroy culture, but transforms it when it is rightly embedded in it. Meaning what we are called to do is to go into culture to show who Christ is and who he has called us to be. We are called to be light, to exhibit fruit of the spirit, to be loving, to be merciful. And in this way, we can transform the culture around us. This is who God has called us to be. And so really the question that we need to talk about today is in what areas do we need to be serious about transforming our current culture? 
And what areas do we need to be serious about stepping into this and changing the way that things are? And so I'm gonna talk about four different cultural norms in our culture today and how we might be able to step into them in a way that truly transforms how we live our lives and how we approach the mission of Jesus Christ. And so let's go ahead and get right into the first one. The first cultural norm that we very much need to understand and be aware of is the cultural norm of self-centeredness. The cultural norm of self-centeredness. In a recent Washington Post poll, when asked what the most common trait is in a modern day American, the second most common answer was selfishness. Selfishness. In fact, the number one answer was patriotism, which is a whole nother thing in and of itself. But, but this is who we know we are. We, we are a selfish people. And in fact, if you look across the marketplace, if you read different articles, more and more, the prevailing theme is all about self-care, right? It's all about me taking care of myself. It's, it's all about me looking out for myself. It's about me filling my cup first. It's all about me. More and more, this is the direction that we're headed. Meanwhile, this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter nine, verse 23. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is what Jesus says. I wanna reread that for you. He says, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. And so where culture is gonna take us down a pathway of self-centeredness, Jesus is gonna lead us down a pathway of Christ-centeredness. I want you to come after me. I want you to follow me. That should be the priority. Now, when we talk about being Christ-centered, this is something we've talked about before and have a general understanding of, but I think many times this pursuit can become very convoluted. And so I just wanna be really clear and really simplify what this means. When we talk about being Christ-centered, what we mean is that the priority and the pursuit of your entire life would be the person of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be self-centered. And I wanna be really clear about that because I'm not talking about a religious pursuit here. Okay, I'm not talking about our outward actions and our lifestyle. I'm talking about pursuing the person of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about. And we see this in such beautiful ways throughout, throughout scripture. Um, when we come to Peter's story, when he realizes who Jesus is for the first time, he doesn't care about his religious beliefs. He doesn't care about what people think of him. He falls to his knees and begins to worship Jesus. That's what being Christ-centered looks like like. We see the same exact thing with Saul when he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. He doesn't care about the law. He doesn't care about the systems and structures. All he cares about is the one who has so powerfully made himself known to him. That's what it's about, truly encountering Jesus. That's what changes people's lives. That, that's what sustains us is, is Christ. And this is what we must be all about. Now, there are three different ways that I think we can consider this within this topic, three different ways that I think we can look at this. And that is through our priorities, through our motives, and through our goals, okay? Our priorities being what we do, our motives being how we do it, and our goals being what we hope to accomplish through that, right? These are the three ways that I think we can consistently look at this and determine, is my life self-centered or is it Christ-centered? Or even more simply, am I given to culture or am I given to Christ? 
where, where am I at in this equation? We all know um, what culture says to prioritize. We all know what culture says we should be about and what we should reach for. I mean, it's, it's so very clear in how we spend our time. Number one is money. That's the priority. And, and you might initially wanna push back on that, but I would just ask you what you spend most of your time doing, because I think you'll very clearly see that most of your time is spent for the sake of money. Number two, we see rest and sleep. Again, this idea of self-care, this is what we should prioritize. Then we can get into our hobbies and the things that we enjoy doing, the things that, that we like, and then we can maybe fit some family time in the middle of all of that. That is what culture would tell us to prioritize. And if you don't believe me, there was a 2021 poll that showed that the average person will spend roughly one third of their life at work, one third of your life for the sole purpose of making money. And the reason I know that that's true is because the same exact poll showed that nearly 80% of people hate their jobs. Meaning the only reason you would ever do it is to make money. One third of your life is spent on that. One third of your life is spent sleeping. And then over one fifth of your life is gonna be spent on leisure time, which primarily the polls showed that is television, games, and sports. Over one fifth of your life will be spent on those things. Now, if you're doing the math in your head, you're quickly realizing there's not much time for anything else, right? And in fact, um, this poll made a, a pie chart of the results and just the, the, the image of it was shocking to me. If you can just picture this full pie chart and this huge chunk was dedicated to, to work and career and money. There was this huge chunk that was dedicated to sleep and rest. You had about a sliver for eating. You had about a sliver for family time. And I'm not kidding. This is the God's honest truth. There was this little tiny little section that you could barely see with your eye. And it said, caring for others. <laughs> this, is, this is what culture says we should spend our time on this tiniest little sliver, we can go ahead and care for others. Here's the question. Is your life heading down the pathway of culture or is it heading down a pathway of Christ who says, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me? Are we Christ-centered or are we self-centered? It's time that we begin to consider this. This is the first cultural norm that we need to transform, okay? Here's the second one we need to talk about. The second cultural norm is convenience, Convenience. I don't know if you've ever just kind of taken a step back or maybe you've kind of studied um, history before and, and realized just how convenient our little world is. We live in such a, a comfortable, convenient little world. In fact, the easiness of life is unlike it's ever been in the course of history. And in fact, if you look at just the goods and products that are in our marketplace today, the vast majority of them are there for the sole purpose of convenience for the end customer, right? That's, that's the ultimate goal of their product and they do it really, really well. Now, here's the problem with that. Um, over the course of time, this will serve to just slowly but surely put us to sleep from the things that we should really care about and the things that we should really be doing. Slowly but surely, we're gonna go to our comfortable little sleep so that we're not about the mission of Jesus Christ. And so where culture teaches convenience, Christ is gonna stand up and teach radical love for people. That is his pathway, which is interesting because you would think that the greatest adversary of love is hate right? Naturally, that's where your mind might go. I would argue that in our culture today, the greatest adversary of love is convenience. I think this is the biggest battle, the biggest obstacle that stands in our way because Christ's call to love one another is intrinsically inconvenient for you and I. 
In fact, if I could just kind of set the expectation for you right now, if you truly wanna love other people like Christ did and like he's called you to, I can promise you it will cost you your convenience. I can promise you it will, it will cost you your comfort. That, that's simply how it goes. In fact, we have clear scripture that represents this. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. We talked about this a few weeks ago, but let's read it again. It says, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We know love by this, that we lay down our lives for one another. Does that sound convenient to you? That, that you would give your entire life, that you would just, everything you are and everything that you have, that you would give it for the benefit of other people, that's not convenient, that's not comfortable. However, it is the call of Jesus Christ. Now, if we go to Luke chapter 10, we see another great example of this. Jesus is asked, hey, what is the priority? What should we care about most? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is called the great commandment. This is what the priority should be, to love our neighbors as ourselves. But then he immediately goes on to give us a picture of what that looks like. And it's a story called the Good Samaritan. And, and I would just encourage you to go to Luke 10 and read it. But just bottom line is, it's, it's clearly a man who is inconvenienced to help somebody else. He doesn't care about his time. He doesn't care about his schedule. He doesn't care about what people think about him. He doesn't care about his money. He's gonna put everything on the line to help somebody else. And this is the picture of love that Jesus gives us right after this command. And see, this is the reason we don't truly love others like Christ has called us to. This is the very reason right here, because I don't wanna interrupt the flow of my day to, to have to help somebody else. But can we just be honest about it? I don't want to interrupt my schedule. I got things to do. I got people to see. I'm just so busy. I, I can't be inconvenienced to love somebody else. Or, I, you know, I don't want to have to be vulnerable and like step outside of my box to, to meet somebody and to kind of build a relationship, right? I'm an introvert. That's uncomfortable for me. And, and we make all of these excuses to just sit in our comfy, cushy little world, clearly disobeying the call of Jesus Christ to radically love others. That's that's what we're doing. Like it couldn't be any more clear as we read through the New Testament, what Christ-like love looks like. It could not be any more clear. We're, we're talking about serving others. Jesus says, I did not come to be served, but to serve others. We're talking about loving our enemies and doing good to them. We're talking about turning the other cheek. We're talking about radical love that is completely inconvenient to you and I but this is the call on our lives. And in fact, this is what the apostle Paul has in mind when he says, let all that you do be done in love. Meaning this idea of inconvenient, uncomfortable, radical love should be the very filter and foundation of our lives. It should be the source from which everything we do, everything we say, every decision we make comes from. This is who we should be. Here's the question. And I want you to think about this. Do you want to leave a legacy of convenience? Or do you want to leave a legacy of radical love for other people? Like, like, what do you want to spend your time doing? What do you want to have accomplished? Which pathway are you going to take, the pathway of culture or the pathway of Christ? This is what we must consider. Here's number three. The third cultural norm is division. 
division. I don't think I have to do much work to prove that this is certainly something that is normal and acceptable in our culture today. In fact, more and more as we move forward, we're, we're kind of encouraged to, to divide up into tribes. That, that, that has become something that we should do, something that we should participate in. And so we gladly do it. We, we create dividing lines based off of what we believe. We create dividing lines based off of what we do, how we look, where we live, who we associate with. Everything has become so so divisive. And the sad thing is, this has very clearly made its way into the church. Very clearly, this has made its way into our context. In fact, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and this, this man said this, Christianity has historically been the tone setter in the concept of division. Christianity and, and the church has actually set the tone on what it looks like to be divisive. And so as I said earlier, it's important to understand that Jesus wasn't just about breaking secular culture. He was very much about breaking religious culture. And, and, and so sometimes we need to be aware of these things and, and be serious about fixing them because Christ's command in this area is very, very clear. In fact, let me give you just a few examples to consider. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10 it says, now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. Philippians chapter two, verse two, Paul says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And Galatians chapter three, verse eight, this is a big one. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And so where culture is gonna push us to division, Christ is gonna push us to unity. He wants us to be united. He wants us to be together. That's what he desires. And it's really, really unfortunate as we look at the, the fighting and the bickering and the dividing lines that we have in Christianity today. Like, honestly, guys, it's a little embarrassing that this is the way that things are. And if we're being honest, and if you have a global perspective of the way things are, what you will learn is that our Western church culture is the worst violator of this. We are the worst about this. We divide ourselves based off of our secondary beliefs, right? That's why we have so many different denominations. We divide ourselves based off of citizenship, right? And in fact, that has become more of our identity than Christ has, that's why the number one most common trait was patriotism above and beyond anything else. We divide ourselves based off of politics that has certainly made its way into the church. And it's amazing to me that we've already forgotten about the amazing events of Acts chapter two and how it brought all peoples together. Isn't that the amazing, beautiful scene that we see that all people actually come together through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Like that's how God has designed us to be. And man, if we don't get serious uh, about getting back to that place, I'm seriously afraid that we're gonna miss out on what God wants to do in our generation. I'm, I'm serious because if we wanna infiltrate the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are gonna have to come together like never before to accomplish that. It's time to start breaking down some walls. It's time to start looking at people differently so that we can join hands for the mission of Jesus Christ. That's who he's called us to be. The Apostle Paul says, we are all one. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And it's about time we start acting like it, okay? Let's move on to our fourth and final topic. And that is the cultural norm of consumerism. 
consumerism. So I've talked about this before. I could um, kind of show you the history around consumerism and how really in the last century, it's hit new levels. There's been this huge boom where it's all about me and, and everything in my world is all about me. But I wanna stick uh, to our church culture here. I wanna continue to, to stay within our context. And I just wanna have some really honest talk, okay? Just some really transparent discussion. We have created a church environment in our modern times where not only is it easy to just consume, but in all reality, we cater everything that we do so that you can just come and consume. This is, this is just the way that things have become. And that's really clear when we go to a church just based off of the worship team or just based off of the speaker, or just based off of the kids' ministry. Like, like that has become how we approach things today. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with those things, right? Those things are important, but, but we have to understand that that's not what the church is. That's not what it's about. And it's important to understand, especially historically, that things have not always been this way. This is not always how things have been. In fact, the way that we approach the church today is actually a pretty new concept when compared to the hundreds and hundreds of years that precede us. We certainly don't see the church operating this way in the book of Acts. And so again, if, if we might just be willing to take a few steps back and get outside of what we just deem normal and acceptable in our church culture, isn't it, isn't it fair to ask questions like, why do we put such an emphasis on just our weekend services? Why has that become the, the pinnacle of everything that we do? In fact, we pour our time and our, our resources and our money into that one thing. Why is it that way? Why is it that 20% of the work uh, of the people do 80% of the work? Why, why is it set up this way where there's almost this hierarchy within the church of how people are used? Why, why do we rarely feel challenged in our everyday experience with Christ and being on mission for him? Why isn't that a part of our daily identity and our daily actions? Why has it become like this? And I believe the answer to that question, I believe the resolution that we must look to is a true biblical model of discipleship. Now, what do I mean when I say the word discipleship? Well, first off, as we enter into the new year, we're going to be digging into this like never before. I promise you, this is not the last time you're gonna hear about this. We are gonna give everything we have to this model. But just to kind of scratch the surface of what I'm talking about, when we discuss discipleship, we are talking, listen, about an individual personal responsibility to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and lead others down a path of Christ-likeness. I want you to hear me, a personal responsibility, personal accountability, personal mission for Jesus Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. This is still a community endeavor. We still do that together, but it takes individual ownership. It, it takes each one of us saying, I'm gonna commit my life to expand the kingdom of God. And especially when it comes to discipleship, really what we're saying is I'm gonna commit my life to other people to helping them along this journey of Christ's likeness. And so, yes, we're gonna live life with them, absolutely, but we're also gonna teach them about Christ. Yeah. We're also gonna be an example of what it looks like to be Christ-like. We're gonna be with them through the ups and downs of life. We're gonna sharpen them. We're gonna equip them. And then we're gonna send them out to do the same exact thing in their context. That's what discipleship looks like. That's how, that's how we've gotten to where we are today. That's what the apostles did. And so thousands of years later, you and I can call Christ Lord and Savior of our lives. 
And again, this is something that we have overlooked in modern Christianity for a lot of different reasons, much of which has to do with culture. Because think about it for a second. Discipleship is distinctly countercultural. It's, it's, it's not self-centered. It's inherently about other people. You're committing yourself to other people. It's certainly not convenient. I'll tell you right now, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. You're gonna have to redo your priorities, redo your calendar. We, we have to get out of um, I'm busy being a badge of honor, which I could go down that road for a while, but I won't. It's not convenient. It's not about division. It's actually what kind of binds us together, right? We continue this link of discipleship as we move forward. Listen to me. Discipleship is gonna take us out of a volunteer culture into a true disciple of Jesus culture. It's gonna take us out of a receiving culture into a giving culture. It's gonna take us out of a weekly culture into a daily culture where we are always about the mission of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us. I'm telling you right now, this is the biggest issue that we have in modern day Christianity. This is the biggest issue we have. We are not about discipleship. We are not about getting our hands dirty when it comes to spreading the good news and helping people along that journey, each and every one of us. This must, this must change if we're gonna truly be on mission for Jesus Christ. I mean, if you, I, I, would, I would challenge you to just go Google some things and look at some different polls. One of the things I recently heard on a podcast, um, there was a study done that, uh, of practicing American Christians, practicing American Christians, that showed that only 13% talk about Jesus with somebody else on a weekly basis. Now, now I'm not talking about talking to like somebody who doesn't know about Jesus, talking to family, talking to friends, 13% of practicing Christians will talk about Jesus at least once a week. I mean, it is, that's an issue, guys. That's an issue that, that we're not talking about him, that we're not living our lives for him. I promise you, if we're not talking about him, we're not living for him. This is something that we must be serious about fixing. In, in our own context, because we've made some errors here. Honestly, we've made some errors. We, we have made it really convenient um, to where you can just kind of come and volunteer some time on the weekend. You can come and enjoy some worship and, and a message. You can go out to eat and hang out, but there's no personal accountability for growing in Christ. There's no personal responsibility to push his mission forward in your workplace and in your family and in your circle of friends. It's gotta change. It's gotta change if we're truly gonna be about his mission. Please stand with me. As I told you guys from the beginning, really what I want you to do with, with some of these things, I want you to just begin to challenge yourself. I want you to begin to, to think a little bit differently. I would argue, think a little bit more biblically so that we can truly be on track for what he has for us. So I want us to challenge ourselves. I want us to get outside of the box of what we have just always deemed normal and acceptable, both within the secular culture and within our church culture. I'm telling you guys right now, if we have to try things we've never tried before, if we have to try things we've never seen tried before in order to truly be about his mission, let's do it. Let's do it. If that's where he's leading us, if that's where he's guiding us, 
If that's what he wants from us, let's do it. I could take this culture versus Christ thing in so many different directions, but I chose these topics for a reason. Because if you notice the Christ-like path, what you're gonna notice is this is really the pillar and the foundation of who we are. We are to be Christ-centered first and foremost. We are to be a people who are full of love. We are to be a people who are united and we are to faithfully make disciples of Jesus Christ. Those are, those are the very pillars of who we are called to be, what we are called to do. And I wanna jump into it like never before. I don't wanna just go with the current of culture. I don't, I don't, I don't wanna be status quo. I wanna do what he truly has called us to do, to do it faithfully, to do it radically, sacrificially, as we see his kingdom grow and expand.